Moncrief on News Talk. From today, users of Alexa in the UK can ask it for information about periods, the idea being to help parents talk to their kids about menstruation. Alexa and many other smart speakers have, have already have period trackers. They might also know your weekly shop, where you go on your holidays, your daily routine, even the balance of your credit card. So how much more info do these devi- devices have on us? Elaine Burke is the host of the For Tech's Sake podcast. Afternoon, Elaine. Hi, how you doing? Uh, this uh, this period thing, is it a bit of a stunt? Uh, it's not a bad thing to have out there. Uh, anything that shares uh, helpful information on periods uh, for anyone who have, might have questions around it uh, is a good thing. So they part for girls. Charity is, is actually kind of providing a lot of the information and their information is NHS backed. So anyone who does ask questions can rely upon some good, solid information. And when you think about Alexa's in households, they probably are in households with kids who have questions and if they're kids who are used to engaging with Alexa on those questions, it'd be helpful for them to get those kind of answers that are are backed by um, health experts and people who understand what kind of information they need there. Mm. The the amount of information that smart speakers in general have about the homes that they live in, is that increasing or decreasing? Well, in the case of Alexa, you're not kind of just talking about Alexa. So because Alexa is owned by Amazon, uh, the data kind of profile that it builds up around a user can integrate other things that they use that are part of the Amazon ecosystem. So Amazon also has its Audible platform. It obviously has its e-commerce platform. It has Ring doorbells. It has Prime video subscriptions. So when you collate all the information together, you uh, create an even richer profile of a person. And it has been said... Uh, by some researchers that the data collected um, by Amazon uh, and by Alexa is kind of more than what the average smart speaker gets. But I mean, you can also get a smart speaker that's owned by Google and Google also has an integrated system of uh, apps that people use. Apple also makes home tech devices like that and that if you're an iPhone user, you use uh, other Apple services, you use a Mac and, and Apple TV, they can all collect this like large data profile on you and that's how they'll really get to know you as a user yeah. and then that's when your smart speaker becomes the spy in your house that's trying to influence your consumer decisions <laughs> ah right uh, and now and for, just to stick with alexa for a moment is uh, is it fair to say amazon has maybe gone a bit cool on alexa it wasn't the cash bonanza they thought it would be yeah, so that whole idea of uh, getting uh, a tool into people's houses that they would rely on, ask questions of, and that could also learn about its users a bit more deeply and, and their kind of how they work in a household uh, would have been a huge advantage to Amazon to the degree that they actually produced Alexa at a loss in order to get this device into people's homes. So it was actually sold quite cheaply. At, well, Alexa, not being the product, Echo devices are the speakers, and Alexa is just the assistant that's built into them. Mm. But we're all used to just calling them Alexa devices. Um, and yeah, so they sold them at a loss for years, and uh, they kind of haven't seen the adoption that they wanted or the influence that they wanted really transpire out of that. Um, and recently, uh, among a lot of the calls that have happened across tech in the last couple of months, uh, Amazon wasn't... Uh, Without it's it's like job losses. I think there was thousands lost at Amazon as well, and a huge amount of that would have been affected in the devices division. So it does seem that they're less interested in developing that Alexa side of the business right now while they're in cost cutting mode. Yeah. So I mean, was there expectation that people would use Alexa to shop on Amazon rather than going onto the Amazon website to do that? 
Yeah, exactly. And it's also that Alexa might have been able to learn things about a user, anticipate their needs or respond to a question with a suggested product that they can then buy on Amazon. So just become this kind of a basically like having a sales assistant for Amazon's uh, platform in your house. Um, you ask a question and they're like, oh, yeah, here's an answer, but also here's a product that you can buy on Amazon right now. Um, I can input your details and we can get that shipped over to you right now. Um, and this Alexa came about around the same time that Amazon was doing some other experimentations in this area. They, like, they created these buttons that actually would have had a specific product associated with them. So say the washing detergent that you use, they'd have a button for that and you could put that in your press where you store your washing detergent. So when you notice it's going low, you press that button and you could order it automatically off of Amazon. So they were trying a few few things in this space um, it's just that the Echo device and Alexa does seem to be the one that stuck around but in terms of how it's used realistically for most people it's just play music what's the weather like yeah. that's what the majority of interactions with them are yeah and, and would that, that story be the same with Google Home and, and, and all the other kind of similar devices yeah, it does seem to be the case. And it's also it also seems that consumer interest in those devices has waned or, or plateaued even. So it seems to me as an observer that anyone who is going to have a smart speaker has one. Uh, they use it for fairly simple tasks. This is just on, on average, uh, such as playing music or asking the weather or just asking for news bulletins and stuff like that, listening to their favorite radio shows, listening back to radio shows as, as an afterplay feature and um, because they are speakers at the end of the day and there's not really much motivation either for people to buy a new one or replace the device because the software gets updated so your assistant that's built in will get updated um, as long as you have a compatible device and and there's pretty good longevity with them as it is and I, and I don't want to say it would be a good thing if they brought out new bells and whistles that would make people toss their old devices and buy new ones because that's a really problematic cycle that tech uh, has, has put consumers in certainly with smartphones we upgrade them way more often than anyone needs to mm. but the reason why we do that is because a huge amount of marketing goes into the smartphones to convince you that your model which was perfectly good six months ago is now trash get it in the bin get a new one it has a fancy new hat on it get that one <laughs> that that kind of marketing isn't happening with smart speakers as much as it happens with smartphones because i suppose though i mean like they can sell smartphones in the basis of this one looks pretty uh, as much as anything else but a smart speaker would have to do something quite extraordinary to make you want to go and buy a new one. Exactly. There's loads of opportunity that, that they have exploited in smartphones. So like, it, this focus is still right now on cameras. It was on cameras for a while. The, the amount of megapixels that they could pack in was a big one. Now they've kind of maxed out on that. They've all got yeah. super powered megapixels. So now they've got AI features built in to improve how you take pictures. If you're bad at taking pictures, you can still take pictures like an influencer. So there's loads of space and room for them to grow. And they're also making foldable smartphones again. Like They'll try and find ways with smartphones that I don't think that they've unlocked as much when it comes to smart speakers. Mm. But they are still a useful technology, especially for like assistive tech and um, for people who prefer to communicate uh, using voice instead of screens. If, if that's an ability that's not afforded to them, I, I mean, they're really, really useful. Yeah, you'd think so. But but it kind of sounds a bit, Elaine, like this is like Google Glass territory here. It could be. But then like uh, there's, there's rumours now that, you know, Apple is interested again in doing its own headset type smart glasses type device now these rumors rise and fall like the tides and uh, you never know what um r&d teams in these companies are going to go for at any given time and sometimes they'll resurrect an old idea and uh, it did seem like the folding phone uh, that samsung tried a couple of years ago was gone out and now samsung's back with a new iteration and now google has launched its iteration of a folding phone in pixel so 
they're they're just sometimes they just run out of ideas yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. honest about it because they're just trying to sell you stuff at the end of the day um, and yeah it just it could be that smart speakers will become like an old piece of tech that we uh, talk about in the future as like oh remember when people had those devices in their home that they spoke to but I do think it w- what will be interesting is when kids who are in households who've grown up used to using voice interaction as a way to search, like they don't, mm. they maybe don't turn to Google straight away for search. Maybe they turn to Alexa. And that's why this period feature that we talked about at the top is quite interesting for, for those young people. When they grow up, is this something that's going to be a demand for them? Is voice tech, voice assistance going to be their first port of call as a user? And that will actually drive a shift in how technology is made and built around those kind of users. Yeah. Now, I know they say they don't do this, but I probably I've had this experience. I Now, I have a, a, a Google Home uh, in my kitchen and... We're always being interrupted by it. I can I can reassure people Google Home knows what shut up Google means because it does turn itself <laughs> off at that point. But why do they do like they're supposed to only turn on when you when you say the magic word kind of thing. But all too often they start, you know, they perk into life for no apparent reason. Yeah. And if you ever hear it respond when you haven't actually asked it to respond, um, that is kind of a, a moment where it has activated, it has thought that the wake word, such as Alexa or Hey Google, has been used. Um, and it has kind of started what what it thinks is a, is a legitimate interaction with the user. Um, and that means that there might have been um, a recording made of that interaction. And that recording, if it kind of is then flagged as that was a, a missed um, connection, it was, it was an incorrect interpretation of the wake word, that's then sent this data to improve the service if you're signed up to such data sharing. And there's all sorts of different um, things that you can change in your privacy policy if you don't want to be part of that. So it's actually only going to transmit data and uh, interact with its servers and stuff like that when you use that wake word. So I think people worry about it like listening all the time. It's technically just listening for the wake word because um, that's kind of like like pressing a button. Mm. And then that activates the interactions and stuff like that. But because voice tech isn't as advanced or may, I should say as simple and as accurate as pushing a button, um, it's it's not going to get that every time. It's going to miss here. Say in a noisy room, if there's crosstalk and stuff like that, it might interpret things uh, more often incorrectly. I do notice that actually when I'm in a room with a lot of people, if there's an Alexa in the room, it's more likely to kind of have some false starts. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, it's just a case of that. It's, it's, it's made a mistake. It thought it heard its wake word and it was trying to respond thinking that you wanted a help and you were just having a chat. Yeah, sure, Google. I'm <laughs> sure that's what happened, Alexa. <laughs> Elaine, thanks a million. Uh, as ever, that was Elaine Burke, their host of the For Tech's Sake podcast. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.